Hello, everyone. This is The Truth of the Matter Is. I am your host, Daniel, and I am here with Jonathan. This is episode number 65. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we would like to say we appreciate everyone for listening in today. Before we begin, let's give a round of applause to all who decided to tune in. This could be episode one of your book or episode 65 as a long-time listener. We thank you and we hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I have a four-point question to ask Daniel. It's a bit of a twist. It's going to be a four-part question. All right, Daniel, you ready? Bring it on. All right, here's part one of the question. We're going to go one by one here. Can you think of a time that you served someone and had a pleasant experience? I automatically think of any time I work with my assistant manager at my job. Those are usually pleasant experiences. Okay, and I'll answer the question as well. The one pleasant experience that I've had serving someone would happen to be what I've done for 10 plus years food delivery service i've always found it to be pleasant i've always found the experience to be pleasant because i'm able to do multiple things at the same time at that time i used to listen to the bible audiobooks that i had and on top of that you know i would catch up on podcasts i would say delivering food stepping in and out of my car along with listening to music or podcasts or the bible experience i found that to be extremely enjoyable the whole experience now part two is what about an unpleasant experience can you think of an unpleasant experience that you've had serving someone anytime i have to help my mother with tech related stuff is a nightmare so it's an unpleasant experience okay so an unpleasant experience that i've had would happen to be a job that i worked doing community ambassador work what made the experience so unpleasant was the fact that i always got stuck with doing a specific part of the job that not many people wanted to do and that was called bundling what made it unpleasant was that i would get paper cuts and just constantly bleeding around my nail and my hand and then just having to sit in the chair for hours at a time to complete a certain amount of number was extremely unpleasant all right so now we move on to part three out of the pleasant experience can you tell us what was negative about it just the physical labor Mm -hmm. i was sweating you know it's hot Mm -hmm. that's about it okay and for me, I suppose the tips weren't as great. Also, you know, going into the projects wasn't my favorite experience. Why? Because sometimes the elevator wasn't working and I would have to walk up maybe 15, 16 flight of stairs. So just to summarize, the tips weren't always great, especially within my own community. And just traveling up and down the stairs where the lighting wasn't great and sometimes the telecom that would let you into the building didn't always work so trying to 
communicate with the customer wasn't always on point. Sometimes it would take a while for them to respond, and that would obviously mess around with the flow of things. Yeah, I'm that customer. I'm not going to hold you. Say that again? I'm that customer that you're talking about. I'm I'm him. (laughs) All right. All the time. Yeah, so here's part four. Out of the negative experience, can you tell us what was positive about it? Actually getting the result done, getting the work over with, you know, helping the person out. In this case, it would be my mother. So, yeah, getting her stuff working is always the positive of the negative situation. Okay, and I would say for me, just being able to play a part in feeding people. Obviously, some of the things that people were ordering obviously isn't best for the health, in my opinion. But still, you know, being part of the, of the solution, being able to provide people with what it is that they requested in a timely manner was something that I got out of it, especially during the pandemic season. Right now, now that we've answered this question. Obviously, we're going to jump right into prayer. And you'll learn quickly why. We had a brief discussion about this. Okay. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I started to think about the power of your presence in this prayer. And I realized we are able to experience you at any time and at any place. We could be on our knees with our eyes closed and you will hear us. We could be sitting in our cars or on a public train while it's in motion or motionless and we will hear you. We could be on a stroll early in the morning, middle of the day, on the wee hours of the night, and we will still hear you. Waking up out of a nap or a deep sleep, and we call out to you, and you will still hear us. How about sitting at a desk at work or moving from one end of the store to another? Lord, you will hear us. And for that reason, we appreciate your presence in all of the earth. Lord, we must be reminded that there is no place we can go or predicament that we may be in that you won't be reachable at. For that, we thank you for free assets and prayers such as this. The chance to freely speak our minds to you, Lord. God, it's important. And as we continue to have a close relationship with our listeners and connect today, every time someone press plays to listen, we thank you this opportunity and we take it not for granted but we appreciate being able to speak into the lives of those who hear us we ask you lord for the insight we ask for truth because truth will set us free therefore lord let us better understand the power and the need for serving one another humbly and love today not just in any kind of way in which we act But Lord, we lean not on our own understanding, but on your word for direction and for your truth. And Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pause for Amen. Before we begin with today's text, I want to take a trip down memory lane. It was episode 47. We talked about a topic that was dear to my heart, and that's being appreciative. Well, I also take an initiative, and the text we unpacked, I remember, was Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. 
and we looked at this in the NLT. Now the text spoke about a servant and a master, and in this example, the question was raised. In normal circumstances, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with him? Now the answer to that is no. But the question I asked in retaliation to the text, and in the name of initiative, is why not? Then the next question that was posed was, does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course, the response is, of course not. And my response in the name of appreciation is, how come? Why not? Now, Jesus finishes in verse 10 saying, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Therefore, you know, after careful study, I suggested this. What makes a servant a great servant is to do more than just the bare minimum. To simply do your duty doesn't make you a great servant. It makes you an average servant. Now, from a modern lens, I address the master, which is the boss who hires the servant or employee to be better and show appreciation. And when I address it, the servant or employee, and I really called for initiative, not to just do the bare minimum, but to do a little more. Why? Because every time you serve, you're expressing love, and that love is God's love. Now that we recapped something that I thought was, a, you know, was necessary, in today's conversation, we are going to focus on the topic of serving. It's basically a part two to episode 47. The only thing is we are only going to address the servant portion of the text in greater detail and a more updated text, and that would be Luke 22. We're going to go into chapter 22 of the Gospel of Luke. So, now for those who are tuning in for the first time, we want to say welcome. And the series that we are in right now is the Gospel of Luke series. So, we're going to go again to chapter 22, and we're going to read verses 24 through 27. A dispute also rose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. So interesting comments here from Jesus before we branch off into other books in the gospel. Right? We're going to look at God's word. We're really going to unpack this text. Again, I'll say that again. Before we branch off into other books in God's word, we're going to really unpack this text. And then we're going to deal with what Jesus said so we're going to do two things we're going to do two things we're going to look at this text we're going to unpack it and then we're going to venture off to other portions of god's word and we're going to kind of tighten it up a bit show you a range of looking at this text specifically and showing where there's other portions in the text that support it all right now jesus used interesting language here to begin he says the king of the gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors 
Now, Jesus is basically saying that kings from Gentile nations and governments, and as a side note, Gentiles are nations of people outside of the Hebrew Jewish community, which means they are not outside of the first covenant. All right? So, Jews and Hebrews are basically the same, but we first called them Hebrews first before we called them Jews. Predominantly, now we see them as the Jewish community. Now, these Gentile kings exercise lordship over the people by declaring they have supreme power and rule over his people. And therefore, if a king declares that a personal person should give up his or her personal right for the king, the king's cause, guess what? If the king decrees it, then it must come to pass. If the king decrees that persons or persons is in need for their personal gain, then of course, those people had to come and be of service. Now, this is what Jesus is highlighting. Jesus also points out that those in authority over the people are also called benefactors. Now, who are benefactors? Benefactors are people who lend support, especially financial support to a cause. Basically, think of a sponsor or a provider in a modern sense, right? Another great example is a show called Shark Tank. In it, the show provides where you have these individuals who have these ideas and they basically share it with these benefactors. Now, for a benefactor to be interested, first you have to pitch your idea to someone who is financially blessed. That's the reason why they're called benefactor. And what happens is they basically carry the load until the idea comes off the ground. Now, that would be the one who decides to invest. They're going to be the one who decides to invest. The goal is for the person or the idea to hit the highest peak in value, right? In the end, these benefactors in return want a portion of the profit and finance, land, or access to the property, which would be the person. Back then, they viewed people as property, right? Different time period in which what was transpired was viewed as normal, just to make sure we understand. During these times, what was happening was trading. So you had animals like sheep, goat. You had products like gold. You had able bodies, which is what I was just talking about, slaves, to do your bidding, right? And the goal was profit. Now, Jesus makes sure to highlight that these type of things doesn't happen to each of you. So regardless of what's happening within the community, especially during the time of the Gentile community, that was frequent, right? But what he's highlighting is that the specific disciples that he's speaking life into at the point in time aren't subject to this situation, right? So therefore, Jesus prophesizes something. As a matter of fact, he proposes something that's interesting. He says, let the greatest among you become as the youngest. Now, what can we say about the young? Well, we are talking about the youth. We're talking about young people who have eagerness, zealousness, the power to not only be strong, but be mindful of their youth, okay? They also have fire that drives them, right? The young are usually enthusiastic, ready for anything that appears or happens within their capabilities that make an impact. 
Now, what's the opposite of the youth? We are speaking about the elder statesman, the one who isn't as energetic, but is seasoned and leads from experience, right? The statement obviously can't move and operate as he or she once did, but they know what's best because they've been through the fire. They've been through the tough challenges. Therefore, they are valued based upon their experience. Now, in this scenario, in this specific text, Jesus is calling for us, not just us, but he's calling for the disciples to serve as if they were young. He goes on to say in verse 27, what then? For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? I am among you as the one who serves. Now listen closely here, right? Jesus doesn't ignore, but rather acknowledges the one at the table who reclines because they are considered the elder statesman. At one point or another, he or she has done their time, which is why we can acknowledge them as great. So Jesus is not doing away. He's not saying that they're not great. He's actually acknowledging that they are. But their pastime has come and gone, right? But they're full of wisdom, seasoned with experience. However, Jesus is talking about leaders who want to be seen and want to be celebrated. He's talking to his disciples, and we also imagine that he'll be talking to us. He's telling them to serve. If you serve, you will be viewed as great, not just grace within the world, because even in that sense, a lot of us don't see people who serve as great. But in the kingdom, you'll be viewed as great. The thing is to serve is to be great because not everyone sees the work that it takes. But guess what? Without anyone to serve, how can things flow? That's the reason why it's very underrated. Okay. How can things happen? No one's to serve. Who sets the example? Right? Speaking of setting examples, let's go to the Gospel of John. And now we're going to begin to drive this idea home. So we're going to go to the Gospel of John. We're going to look at chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 17 in the NIV. Daniel? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bad need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's what he said. Not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, 
and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Great job, Daniel. So in my opinion, this is a great example of Jesus serving, thereby taking the lead. This is why he is the way, the truth, and the life. Through his life, we have our example. And is what we should model after and strive to live like. Now let's continue because Paul says something interesting in Philippians. As a matter of fact, let's go there. We're going to go to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 5 through 11. And this is what it tells us. Have the same attitude in yourselves which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. Who? Although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature nature of deity, do not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but empty himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity but only temporarily giving up the outward expressions of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the father to the point of death even death on a cross for this reason also because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself god has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory of God the Father. Great job, Daniel. Now, one of the reasons why I chose the Amplified Version here is because I love the way they describe each sentence in greater detail. Now, I said something in the beginning, and that was, to serve is to love. Again, I said, to serve is to love. Now, why did I say that? Well, we can agree that Jesus is the model example, right? Therefore, Jesus served. And when he did, he loved. And that was the expression he gave. Now, Paul really says something powerful in Galatians 5.13. And we're going to view this in two different translations. We're going to read this in the NIV. And then following that, we're going to view this in the Message Bible. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The Message Bible says the following. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's 
how freedom grows. So the big theme here is freedom. Now, speaking of freedom and how this freedom plays a role in how you serve, let's first be reminded what was said in the Gospel of John 10.10. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, abundance means freely. Now, Jesus also says in the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 36, that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So the question becomes, what did Jesus need to set us free from? Right? What did Jesus set us free from? What he set us free from was sin. Now, Jesus loved unconditionally. Okay? That was what Jesus did. He loved unconditionally. Now, it was Isaiah who prophesied something Jesus needed to do. And that was in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 1. And this is what it tells us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Yeah, so it's also in Romans six eighteen we learn that we're all saved if we are followers of Christ. Now, what we learn is that he who saved us, which is Christ, has been has set free from us sin, right? And what happens is because we've been set free from sin, the slave we used to be in regards to sin, we become slaves to righteousness instead of wickedness. I'm going to say that one more time. It's in Romans 6, 6, 18, we learn that all who are saved have been set free from what? That would be sin. And because we've been set free from sin, we've been, the sin that we used to be slave to, we are now slaves to righteousness instead of sin. Okay? Now, the question that I had when I first discovered this is, why would I want to be enslaved to righteousness instead of wickedness? Right? It's two different sides of the aisle. You have wickedness and you have righteousness. Paul does an amazing job of explaining this. We're going to go to Romans chapter 6 and we're going to read verses 16 through 23. Daniel? Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin and you were free from the control of righteousness, what benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what's good about having Jesus' righteousness? In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we find in verse 17 and 22, this is what it tells us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reckless, reckless conciliation, that God was reconciliating the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reckless conciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Great job, Daniel. So this righteousness that we now have is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And this righteousness of Jesus Christ is on us and he and it allows us to love the way God loves us. Remember, in the book of First John, chapter four, verse 12 is where we find that no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Therefore, it was Jesus who told his disciples in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34, I am giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. So when we serve, it's important that we serve knowing that we are expressing God's love to someone who really needs it. This is why Paul tells us in Galatians 5.13, love one another humbly and what? Love. We were called to be free thanks to Christ Jesus. Therefore, we should not use our freedom by indulging in the flesh. Instead, we should be appreciating the freedom and abundance we now have. Why? Because we wear Christ's righteousness on us. What is this righteousness? The desire to act in accordance with the kingdom of God's rule and authority on earth as it is in heaven, to honor God's law, to love, and of course, to be free from guilt, sin, and death, which is all possible, again, through who? Jesus Christ, his sacrifice. So it's highly recommended through the Holy Spirit for us to express God's love. And one way of expressing that righteousness is to love. And by loving, we ought to serve. And that's to the people all around the world or at any point in time when someone needs it. They need to experience the presence of God through us, okay? We are called to be little Jesuses, to impact the world in a positive manner, in a Christ-like manner. Now, how do we serve? We serve, again, humbly in love. Through who? The Holy Spirit. It was Paul who reminded us that God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. You have love again. The Holy Spirit carries fruit. What are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? In Galatians 5.22, it tells us that we have love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. 
And that is what you get to express because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Okay. Now, I want to inform everyone this, right? When we love, it's to give at the expense of oneself in order to benefit the one who is to receive it. I'll say that one more time. When we love, it's to give at the expense of oneself in order to benefit the one who is to receive it. Now, this is all a choice we are able to make, right? When we look at Paul's definition of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, it's a choice that we have to love and serve someone by utilizing patience, kindness, refusing not to be rude or arrogant, insisting on our own ways instead of Christ's ways. The goal is to be the greatest, right? Back to the original text for today. Jesus says we must serve and we ought to do that by striving and devoting oneself with a level of seriousness and effort that is that has plenty of energy and we should carry this out with Christ-like love. I say that one more time. If we are going to serve and we are going to be viewed as the greatest or one of the greatest, Jesus says when we serve, we ought to do that by striving and devoting ourselves with a heightened level of seriousness and effort that has plenty of energy, and we should carry this out with Christ-like love. Remember, the love that's inside of you is the righteousness that's on you, is a result of Christ's sacrifice. His blood purifies us from all sin, shields us, and keeps us from the day of judgment. That's the power of his blood. And serving one another is showing our appreciation for what Christ did. The example that he set in the gospel of John that we read in regards to him providing us this example. Now, my final thoughts when it comes to serving can be found in the book of Colossians and in the book of Corinthians. But before we go there, remember, when it comes to serving, you must have a genuine heart. Your love for others must match the love that you have for yourself. Why? Because God calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's one of the commandments that we have. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. Right? Therefore, why? This is the reason why. There needs to be an upgrade. If you want to consider yourself as one who is part of the kingdom of God, okay? Because serving is one of those things that we have to do and we should do, all right? This is the reason why there's a need for an upgrade. If you want to be considered great in the kingdom of God, one of the things is we learn from Jesus and try to apply it. Obviously, it's not going to happen in the first or second opportunity. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 through 33. Daniel? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. 
For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner, and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But what if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice? Then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of many, that they may be saved. Colossians 3.17 says this, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. No devotion today, but I'll close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we hope today's message and conversation will employ those who have a hesitancy to serve will then reconsider the possibility that serving is essential, it's important, it's necessary, not just for the body, but for the person who understands that at one point in one time, you might be in the same predicament. You might need someone to help you. You might need someone to take care of you, right? Lord, if there's anything that I've learned over the years is that not only have you been the example, but you've been a changer when it comes to not just motivating me, but encouraging me to realize how important it is to not just look at the benefit of myself, but also for the benefit of others. So, Lord, I implore and I hope that this conversation we've had today allows room for you to operate and show people that serving one another in love is what is what is required serving one another to the best of the ability is what's required one of the most important things that we ought to do is love one another as you have told your disciple that one of the commandments you provided that was new is that to love one another as I have loved you, which means that in that moment in time, when you decided to love your disciples in that way, that was the first real realistic element that not only did you give up yourself for us, but that we also ought to have that same passion and love one another. Lord, as we go throughout the week, keep us safe, watch over us. And Lord, I hope that we continue to be an outlet to bless those who are listening and appreciating that we are an outlet. We are used as instruments of righteousness. And therefore, all we want is to get people to see how amazing and how great you are, that you aren't just that way for us, but you could be that way for anyone 
who not only accepts you but believes you and sees that you're more than capable of turning their life upside down and making it purposeful especially for your kingdom and lord we say these things because we know that you're alpha and omega beginning and the end create over all things and anything that we ask so if it's according to your will you would do and lord we say these things in jesus name we pray amen amen